Looking for a new show to dive into? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like the full season of FX's epic limited series Shogun, FX's new international spy thriller The Veil, starring Emmy and Golden Globe winner Elizabeth Moss. And don't miss the all-new crime series Under the Bridge, inspired by shocking true events and starring Riley Keough and Lily Gladstone. It's all new, and it's streaming now on Hulu. You ever meet someone who seems kind of off? Whether it's a creepy neighbor or random phone number that keeps calling you, Truthfinder has you covered. You can search for people by name, address, phone number, email, and more. Truthfinder can be especially helpful for running confidential background checks on anyone you're planning to meet from online dating apps. Go to truthfinder.com slash podcasts for a special offer. That's truthfinder.com slash podcasts to access your special offer today. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thank you for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me, as always, is a man from parts unknown, but he prefers that his parts be known. He is the captain. Ah, cha-cha-cha-cha. It's good to be seen and good to see you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. The only thing better than beer is more beer, and we still have some shadows of laughter from Tactical Brewing in Orlando. Flow right us still in the garage fridge. This is an imperial double stout. Hints of rum and vanilla and plenty of coffee taste make this one a big five out of five bottle caps. And first up, an imperial double cheers to Jenny Bird and the Bear in Oceanside, California. And a big shout out to Katie in Des Moines, Washington. Let's go back to California here, Captain. We have Christina in San Clemente, California. California. And a big We Like Your Jib to Christy in St. Angelo, Texas. Here's a shout out to my boy Hans Jacob in Orkanger, Norway. And last but certainly not least, we have Dia in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Everyone we mentioned went to truecrimegarage.com and helped out with this week's beer fund. Thank you to everyone that contributed to this week's beer fund. Just go to truecrimegarage.com and on the right-hand side, you'll see a little beer tip jar. Just click on that. Keep the beer a-flowing. And that is enough of the business. All right, everybody, gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer. Let's talk some true crime. When we left off yesterday, Captain, the police had just discovered what can only be referred to as a house of whores. They found a bloody scene at the rental house where the Browns were staying and within a mile of the house. In fact, it's distanced at between a half and a three quarters of a mile from the home in a wooded area. 
they find a pile of bodies. Now, from the get-go, of course, their main person of interest is going to be Adam Matos. They know that he lived there at the home. They also know that 911 was called because there was some kind of confrontation where his ex-girlfriend, Megan, says that he attacked her with a knife and threatened to kill her. Yeah, put the knife against her throat and cut her hand. This took place on the 28th, about six days before their grisly discovery. But for all the detectives knew, Matos might even be among that unidentified pile of bodies. So another possible suspect here is Nicholas Leonard, the other person involved in this love triangle that seems to be known to law enforcement. Here's a little peel back the curtain moment here at the garage. Megan apparently hadn't told her friends and family about Nick prior to the 28th. It seems like this was very much on the DL for her, and that makes sense because Adam Matos is still living at her home. And she knows that this is not going to be a permanent arrangement, so sometimes you just try to keep the peace, right? But Nick is the opposite. He had told his family all about Megan. In fact, saying that he was in love with her. Right. Nick told his parents that he and Megan were keeping their romance quiet until Adam moved out of the house. I think he even told his mom that she might be the one. Yes, I believe so. But Nick Leonard is discounted pretty quickly as a suspect in the murder of the family when the medical examiner finally identifies those found in that pile of decomposing bodies. Mm -hmm. And Nick Leonard is identified as being one of the victims. Now, we stated here that the detectives immediately when they found this, I mean, this is like the most horrific sight these officers have seen in their entire career. They state, we didn't know what exactly we were looking at. We knew it was a pile of bodies but we didn't know how many victims they were or who they were. So now we have the medical examiner who is able to start identifying the remains that were found, but how many people were found? It turns out that there were four decomposing bodies. We already said that Nick Leonard was one of them, but the other victims were Megan, her father, Greg, and her mother, Maggie Brown, all identified by the medical examiner. So I guess the one bright spot here in this very, very darkest of moments is there's no Tristan. There's no little boy found dead at the scene. So there is some hope. Yeah, some hope. But also if you're law enforcement, you have this kid, which is autistic, that is possibly with his father, which is the number one suspect for a quadruple homicide. So what kind of danger is he in? Yes, you're spot on with that. And that's going to be the major, major concern here. Before we move on to that, though, Captain, I do want to point out, because the question becomes, why would these detectives see and find this pile of bodies and not understand what it is that they're looking at or immediately know the, the victims, the number of victims. I think that we should point out here, there's a couple of factors involved in this. One, 
it can be easily assumed that these victims have all been dead for some time, for quite some time, actually, because mm-hmm. it was the day after that police report was taken at the home on the 29th of August that neither Megan nor Maggie showed up for their 3 p.m. work shifts that day. So it's easy to assume that whatever happened, whatever transpired and went down, it went down before 3 p.m. that following day. It was six days between that 911 call and this grisly discovery. And we don't know how long the remains were exposed to the elements, but we're talking about Florida in August. It's freaking hot. It's going to speed a lot of things up, and that's going to work against the forensic experts and the investigators when they find the scene. And you are exactly right. As soon as they determine Tristan is not amongst the victims here, thank God, we got to find this little boy. He's four years old and very likely in the company of this very, very dangerous man. We have suspect number one. Underline and circle him at the top of our list. Suspect number one, Adam Matos, probably is in possession of this little four-year-old boy. So they very smartly issue an Amber Alert to try to locate Tristan. This is very smart for several reasons. One, top priority, find the boy. No doubt about that. Number two, second priority, if you can manage to do both, get Adam Matos in handcuffs and sit him down and ask him the tough questions. Well, and they find him pretty quickly because he's not the smartest of guys. No, no, he's not. He might be at the top of the list for suspects, not at the top of the list for smart guys. Yeah, evil doesn't equal genius. But he checks himself in with his son into a hotel not that far away. So he manages to make it to Tampa, Florida, and they do check into a hotel where he uses his own name. He checks in under his own name. So that makes it a little easier for him to be found and located. Well, I think he said, I'll take a, a room for two. They said, what name? He said, uh, douchebag. And they said, well, we don't accept that name. And he goes, okay, well, Adam Matos, it's the same. It's like in Star Wars. There, there's, there's several flaws in Star Wars, but one that was always alarming to Shut me your mouth. was that Obi-Wan Kenobi, when he goes into hiding, mm-hmm. what is the name that he uses, the alias that he uses while in hiding? Ben Kenobi. Like, um, I'm in hiding, but I'll still use my, my last name. I thought he went by uh, Obi-2 Kenobi. <laughs> right. Instead of the captain, I'll go by Le Captain. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody will ever figure it out. So Adam Matos checked into this Tampa, Florida hotel under his own name. Authorities get a break there. When they pick up the two, Tristan, he's four years old. Of course, he's in a state of shock like none of us could believe. Mm -hmm. He's not talking to police. Adam, on the other hand, does not appear to be in shock at all. In fact, he seems to be incredibly calm, cool, and collected. Well, and again, we have a we have a kid that's autistic, and so I don't know a, a lot about it, but I did play in a band with an um, amazing guy, amazing teacher. He taught kids with autism, and so he'd always kind of talk to me about the spectrum and, and how some are 
verbal and some are nonverbal. So it's not as simple for the cops to, to know they don't know his personality well before being able to talk to him, but they clearly can see that this kid has some kind of trauma going on. Right. I was going to throw that in there too. Unfortunately, the icing on the cake here will be you, when you find this boy, you're very happy about that, but you do not have a clear understanding as to what he may or may not have witnessed and the effects that may have had on him. And as you said, the, the PTSD that could be involved with just what the potential of what this kid could have witnessed. Well, and I just, experienced. I just want to say this and maybe this goes without saying when you have teachers, I love teachers, but somebody like the guy I played with, his name is Bobby. He, he, he specialized in teaching kids with autism. Make sure you take the time out to let them know what they're doing is so special and changing the lives of so many people. Okay. Moving on with the story. Well, Adam does not put up any type of fight when they go to arrest him. And we mentioned that Adam Matos, not the smartest guy, not at the top of the list of smart guys. But when they bring Adam in for questioning, this is very smart. The detectives, they don't tell Adam that they found the bodies of Megan, her parents, and Nick Leonard. Right. No, instead, detectives tell Adam that he's being arrested on domestic violence charges that stem from that first 911 call from Megan. So at the police station, detectives tell Matos that, uh, hey, you're here on these charges, but your son is here too. We need to release him to the custody of someone. Yeah. Who should that be? Yeah. We got to take this kid somewhere. How about we take him back to his mother, Megan? That would be the first option. That makes the most sense, right, Adam? Uh, do you know if it, that's going to be possible, if we could locate Megan and easily locate her and return Tristan to her while we sort out this deal of the domestic violence charge? And his answer is, I don't know. I wouldn't know. But then, just like you, you should know. The detectives go, okay, well, they're going to give him a pass on that. They say, well, how about Megan's parents? Can he stay with them maybe? Again, Adam says, well, you can check on that. You can call and ask if they will keep him. And he says, hey, our relationship, my relationship with Megan is certainly troubled. You can see this by this domestic assault charge. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know what the deal is with her, but you can call her parents and ask detective says, well, when did you guys break up? Adam says a week ago, detective a week ago. Okay. Do you remember what that was about? Adam Matto says, well, it was just a bunch of drama, a bunch of shit, you know, and he denies that he attacked Megan in that jealous rage the, on that morning when she called nine one one. Well, let's face it. I mean, it, they should be called relationships, you know, instead of relationships. The detectives ask, do you know if mm. she's seeing anyone else? Adam says, I wouldn't know that. But he does admit that they got into a loud argument, didn't attack her, but they got into a loud argument. And this would have been after Megan arrived home that morning. He says that her mother, Maggie, hears this argument 
tells me to leave, and so I left. It wasn't until he was locked up for this domestic violence charge that Adam, he starts to learn that the detectives had fooled him and actually found the bodies of Megan, her parents, and Nick Leonard earlier. Right. So in a newspaper interview, Adam denies killing them. And there's some footage that can be seen of this where the the officers and detectives are walking Adam down a street or maybe an alley and they they're get they're trying to put him into a car. They keep getting stopped by this horde of reporters right. who want to ask Adam what's going on. We got a quadruple homicide here. You're in handcuffs. Did you kill those people? He is so unbelievably calm. Yeah. He does he's not sweating, he's not red-faced. His answers are short and to the point. He says, of course, I don't know a lot. He even gives a little attitude, too. Like, well, why did you take Tristan from from the house? He's my son. So at some point, he's being interviewed by a newspaper. Adam denies killing them. And with detectives in the room, he says, oh, they're dead. They've been murdered. You know who you might want to look at is the jealous ex-girlfriend of Nick Leonard's. Right. We were talking about this earlier off the record is how he, how calm he is, but how effortlessly he can just lie. And it it's really hard. Normally you can kind of read somebody and go, okay, well, that comment or that statement doesn't seem to add up, and you can kind of tell by their body language, but he's just so nonchalant. I mean, it's very, very impressive on how he's very calm, cold, and just lying through his teeth. He's got an answer for everything, and when he can't provide one, he simply says, I don't know. But he doesn't say, I don't know, in like a dumb way, though. No, it says it very matter-of-factly, like, I I don't know because I wouldn't know. I've already explained to you that I wasn't there at that time, or, you know, I'd already been gone by that time, so I don't know. He even says sometimes, I wouldn't know. Mm -hmm. The detectives, now with this information, with the ex- girlfriend, jealous ex-girlfriend information, they very quickly figure out that she, the ex-girlfriend, has an airtight alibi. Right, but right, but hold on. It a also second. helps that she's in Wichita, Kansas. Like you can right, start right, right. to make make sense of it that she wasn't in the area at the time. But I was thinking about this when researching the case. Could you imagine being law enforcement and you you have the guy. You're almost a hundred percent sure that this dick face in front of you is the guy responsible for this horrible, horrible murder, mm-hmm. murders. And he is saying, well, I don't know this and I don't know that. And he's cool and he's calm and he cl- he's collective. And then when you tell him, one, I think it's a big tell that he wasn't very emotional once you say, hey, your girlfriend, the mother of your child, and her whole family has been murdered that there's no emotion there, but he's going, Hey, who you should look into is her new boyfriend had a crazy ex. And so you're probably thinking that again, this is just another bullshit lie. But when you look into her, she stalked him and harassed multiple women that he was in contact with multiple women that he tried to date. 
So there was some validity to that story or that idea. But as law enforcement, you're like, we have to follow this lead. But there's a part of you that's like, your mind would have been blown if it wasn't Adam, if it was this girl. Right. And I think the situation here is like the, the papers and the media really make a big deal of this. Like he dropped a bombshell on the detectives. I don't think it was like that for the detectives at all. I think the detectives were, as you said, had this guy dead to rights pretty much and thought, you know what? This is our guy 100%, but you know what? We're going to do our due diligence. We're going to cover all of our bases here. If, and when we take this guy to court, this possibility this theory will be presented by someone the defense we need to show this theory does not track it doesn't track at all it didn't happen she has an airtight alibi but again it's it's plausible because we know nick leonard was filing in the process of filing a formal complaint about harassment against this woman at the time of his murder the thing here though is you really got to get the traumatized autistic young four-year-old boy to talk was he a witness did he witness anything and if he did what was it and unfortunately What detectives will learn, it takes some time to pry that door open, slowly pry that door open, but Tristan, just four years old, witnessed a bloody massacre. He witnessed his mother, his grandparents being killed. Eventually, he describes two investigators hearing the gunshot that killed his mother. He says that he heard his mother saying, please don't. Tristan tells them that he, and this is, he's kind of trying to reenact this in a way, using a doll, he wrapped it up in a little blanket and he starts pounding it saying, mommy, mommy. And finally the poor kid points his finger at his own father saying, daddy killed mommy. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with 
IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com slash garage. Visit IXL.com slash garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com slash garage today. The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless. When Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. Save a lot of money with Mint Mobile. Get their great mobile wireless service delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. That's premium service at a great price. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash TCG. That's mintmobile.com slash TCG. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash TCG. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factor's no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious from breakfast to dessert. Stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need a pack of lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code truecrimegarage50 at factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. All right. 
Thanks for joining us. Thanks for telling a friend. Cheers, mates. And this is The Garage wishing everybody a happy and safe Halloween. Yeah, for sure. And enjoy the trick-or-treats. Watch out for the razor blades and the candy. There you go. All right, so Adam Matos, he is going to lawyer up. The state is building a case against him for a quadruple homicide. And for this, the state of Florida is going to seek the death penalty. Now, Adam Matos will be tried for the four homicides in 2017. He does decide to take the stand, and we have some audio from the trial. Please state your name. Adam Matos. Let's cut right to the chase, shall we? Adam Matos, on August 28, 2014, did Nicholas Leonard put his hands on your throat? Yes, he did. Did he threaten your life with a gun? Yes, he did. Did you get in a fight with him? Yes. Did you defend yourself? Yes, I did. Did you kill him? Yes. Why? He tried to kill me. Adam Matos, on August 28, 2014, did Gregory Brown threaten your life? Yes, he did. Did he pull the trigger? Yes. Did you get into a shootout with him? Yes, I did. Did you defend yourself? Yes. Did you kill him? Yes, I did. Why? He tried to kill me. Adam Matos, on August 28, 2014, was Megan Brown with Nicholas Leonard when Nicholas Leonard had his hands on your throat? Yes, she was. Was she with Gregory Brown when he threatened your life with his rifle? Yes, she was. Was she with Gregory Brown when he tried to shoot you with his rifle? Yes. Did she say anything as he was pointing his rifle at you? She said, Dad, shoot him. Shoot him, Dad. Did you defend yourself against them? Yes. Did you kill her? Yes. Why? I felt that she was going to kill me as well. How about Margaret Brown? Did you believe that she was trying to kill you? Yes. Did you fear for your life, though? Yes. What were your feelings when you killed her? I was lost. I was hurt. I was, I was in shock. I was out of my mind, and I thought that everyone was out to kill me. I felt like she was going to kill me as well. Did you kill her? Yes. Did you strike her with a hammer? Yes. Was she bleeding a lot? Yes. What did you decide to do to her head? Uh, there was a lot of blood, and um, to stop the blood from getting everywhere, I put a trash bag over her head. Anything else um, you put over uh, and helping putting the trash bag overhead and, and keeping that blood contained? I used tape to close the bag to prevent blood from getting leaking out. Was this after you had gotten into the altercation with Nicholas Leonard upstairs? Yes, it was. Was she dead or alive when you put the bag overhead? She was dead. Well, let's talk about the house at uh, 7719 Hatteras Drive in Hudson, Florida, back in August of 2014, okay? How many bedrooms were being slept in? Three bedrooms. And did the house face south? Yes. 
Now, who slept in the master bedroom on the west side of the house? Greg and Margaret. Greg and Margaret Brown? Yes. I'm going to refer to this room as Greg and Margaret's room, okay? Okay. Who slept in the southeast bedroom on the east side of the house, closest to the front door? Megan and I. I'm going to refer to this as Adam and Megan's room, okay? Okay. How close is this room, Adam and Megan's room, to the front door? About a few feet. Just a few feet? Yes. Who slept in the northeast bedroom on the east side of the house, farthest from the front door? Tristan. I'm going to call this Tristan's room, okay? Yes. Tell us about the lock on Tristan's bedroom when you were there uh, in August of 2014, before this incident. Um, when we moved there, there was just a simple doorknob with a simple lock that you could lock from the inside. If the lock had been changed uh, after August 28th of 2014, who would have done it? It would have to have been Nick or Megan. Now, the two bedrooms on the east side of the house, they were separated by a bathroom, correct? Yes. This neighborhood, this neighborhood at um, 7719 Hatteras Drive, are there woods around and close to that neighborhood? Yes. Do you ever hear gunshots? Yes. How often? Often, uh, on a regular basis. Just during the day or? Day and night. Now, Megan was Allison friends on the night of August 27, 2014, correct? Yes. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. But right now, I want us to concentrate on August 28, 2014, okay? Approximately what time did Megan Brown get home on August 28, 2014? Around 5.30 a.m. Has she been out all night long? Yes. Were you worried about her? Yes. Were you angry? Yes. Why? I was angry about a phone conversation that I had with Nicholas Leonard. He let me know that he was having an affair with Megan and that she was a whore and that he didn't want, want her anymore. Sustain. Did you forget your approach? Certainly. Um, you said you talked to uh, Nicholas Leonard, and he advised you uh, what, without getting into things like that? He just let me know that he didn't want anything to do with her, and he was done with her. He didn't want to be a home wrecker, and that he was done with her. Now, did he advise you that there was an incident that happened uh, at the time he called you? Yes. And did he seem still upset about that? He seemed upset that there was an incident that occurred that night at the bar. And did he, um, did he tell you that it just it, it had just occurred uh, yes. right when he called you? He called me as he was leaving the bar, getting into a cab. And tell us about what information he gave you. Objection, Judge, here, sir. Sustain. Judge, if I may. Please. It seemed like from after that day, they wouldn't be together. Did you and Megan get into an argument um, when she got home at 5.30 in the morning? Yes, we did. What was the argument about? It was about the phone conversation that I had with Nicholas Leonard. And tell us what happened. When she came home, I asked her if she, if 
she was having an affair with Nicholas Leonard. She told me that she wasn't. And when I asked her about it, she denied it. And she said that Nicholas was stalking her and that he followed her to the bar. Without getting further into that conversation, did she lead you to think that there was nothing between her and Nicholas Leonard? Yes, she said there was nothing going on between them. Did you believe her 100%? I didn't know what to believe. Tell us what happened after that. Um, I got upset, uh, pulled out a knife, and I asked her... Where'd you get the knife from? Uh, from the kitchen. I asked her what was the truth. I just wanted to know the truth. I didn't want to hurt her. She tried to grab the knife out of my hand. She cut herself on a finger. And once I saw that she, she had cut herself, I put the knife down on a dresser. Tristan just woke up. So I left the house and I took my bike and I went up the road northeast. Did you pull the knife out to hurt her? No. Why did you pull the knife out? I just wanted the truth. I was upset. It was just a stupid thing to do. Did you ever put the knife to her throat? No. At no time did you scratch or hurt her throat in any way? No. And you never put it up to her throat? No. You said that she grabbed the knife? Yes. Did you expect her to do that? No. Where did you go? I went northeast up the road behind um, a house that was empty. And I just laid down and um, was just chain smoking, just cooling off. Um, were you riding a bicycle? Yes. Um, why did you leave? I just wanted to give her some space, just get away from the house. Were you able to cool off? Yes. Did you see law enforcement arrive at the house? I saw um, law enforcement driving in that general direction towards the house. Did they leave? I couldn't see from that angle. What did you do? I stood there most of the day just um, sleeping, uh, chain smoking. Now, by the way, let me go back just a little bit. Was Nicholas Leonard there when Megan got home in the morning? No, he was not. Was he there when you left the house? No. Was he there when you guys were arguing? No. Did you decide to return to the house at 7719 Hatter's Drive? Yes. About what time was it? Between 6 and 7 p.m. Still light outside? Yes. Why? I wanted to get my things. I didn't have anything on me. So I just wanted to get my belongings. I wanted to see if I could say goodbye to Tristan and possibly work things out with Megan. What time did you go inside approximately? A little after six. And what door did you use to go inside? The, the east entrance. Um, that one that goes into the east garage area, or the stairwell? Yes. It's the only door on the east side of the house, right? Correct. Was the door open? It was wide open, yes. 
I didn't ask you earlier, but about how many dogs were in this house uh, on Hatter's Drive? 20 dogs. Describe them for me. Small dogs, large dogs? Small to tiny. How often do these dogs bark? All the time. How would you describe their barking? Loud. They were barky dogs. Did you hear them bark as you went up the stairs? Yes, I did. Where are the dogs kept in the house usually? In the dining room area. Is that downstairs or upstairs? That's upstairs. Okay. How far from um, yours and Megan's bedroom, approximately? About 10 feet. Now, as you walked up those stairs, did you have a gun in your hand? No. A knife? No. A bat? No. A hammer? No. <clears throat> what, if anything, did you have in your hands? Nothing at all. Tell us again what were you going to do inside the house? I just wanted to get my things, just um, gather the stuff that I had. When you had left, did you bring left. things with you? Uh, no. Were you able to do that, get your things? No. Was the door to you and Megan's room, was it closed? Yes. Did you open it? Yes. Did you step inside? Yes, I did. Did you see Megan and Tristan? Yes, as I entered the room, they were just coming out. Did Nicholas Leonard come up to you? Yes. Where did he come from? He came from the closet area. Were you able to see um, where he was coming from as far as uh, any length of time before he got to you? No, he just came out of nowhere. Did he reach? Uh, I'm sorry, did he grab you anywhere? He grabbed me by the throat. And did he reach for a gun? He reached into his right pocket and he pulled out a gun and he pointed it at my chest. Did you grab his gun? Yes, I grabbed, hand? I grabbed his hand and I pointed it towards the ground away from me so he wouldn't shoot me. Did he seem like he was trying to raise the gun toward you? Yes. Did you struggle to stop him from getting the gun pointed at you? We didn't. We struggled. Tell us what happened. Uh, there was a lot of wrestling going on. We were going around the room. Um, we ended up in the corner by the dresser. And um, I saw a knife on top of the dresser that I used to defend myself. And I stabbed him in the arm a few times. And he released his grip on my throat. And um, I dropped the knife. And we continued to wrestle around. I was trying to get the gun out of his hands. And um, we wind up falling on the bed. And now when you say bed, um, was there an uh, actual bed frame, or was it just a mattress? It was just a mattress on the floor. Yeah. Okay. It was on the floor, you said? Yes. How many times did you stab him? About three times. And you said that you guys fell on the bed, both of you? Yes. Let me go back real quick and ask you about this knife. Did you leave this knife on the dresser? No. Do you have hunting knives laying around when you have this four-year-old walking around? No, I do not. Are you the type of person to keep a knife on the dresser? No. How about under a mattress? No. While you guys are struggling, did Nicholas do anything to your face? 
he took the inside of my cheek and he started to rip the flesh from the inside out and he, he told me, I'm going to rip your face off. Did Megan come back? Megan and Greg stepped into the room, yes. And tell us what happened uh, as you guys were struggling on the bed and Megan and Greg come back. Megan, uh, she screamed out, uh, Dad, shoot him. Shoot him, Dad. Did he have anything in his hand? I'm talking about Greg? A rifle in his hand. Where was it pointed? At my chest. Did Nick uh, do anything when he saw that rifle pointed at you? He moved out the way. He was still pinning me down, my legs. Um, he Did just moved out of the way so Greg could have a clear shot at my chest. Did you say anything to Greg? I asked Greg, I said, please, Greg, don't shoot me, Greg. Don't do this, Greg. Did Greg pull the trigger? Yes, he did. What happened? It misfired. What was going on after the gun misfired? He was trying to get it to work again, and he repeated the steps of trying to shoot me again. Tell me what was going on with Nick um, while... Greg is messing with this gun. Is he getting stronger or weaker? He seemed to be uh, weakening. Was he bleeding a lot? There was a lot of blood. He was bleeding a lot from his arm. Did Nick, uh, did Nick, sorry, did Greg um, ever shoot the gun again the second time? Yes, he pulled the trigger again. And what happened? It was a misfire again. Tell us what happens between you and Nick Leonard. Uh, as Greg was uh, continuing to try to shoot the gun again, um, Nicholas loosened his grip on his gun, and I was able to get it out of his hands. Did uh, you or him shoot the gun? Yes, a shot went off towards the wall. Okay. While you guys were struggling for the gun? Yes. And... Um, you said it went toward the wall? It went through the wall. Did it put a bullet hole through the wall? Yes. Tell us, did, was there a second shot? Yes. Um, as, I, as I grabbed the, the gun, I shot it towards Nicholas. Was Nick still bleeding from the stab wound? Yes, he was. Did you later find that bullet um, from shooting uh, that gun the second time? Yes, I did. What did you do with it? I threw it in the trash bag. And was that the one that was found in the uh, garage, um, West Garage? No. Uh, the one that I found that um, I thought that hit Nicholas Leonard, I found behind the bed. Okay. And did, that, did you end up putting that in the trash? Yes. While you and Nick are struggling, Greg has shot the gun twice, wasn't able to get it to, sh to, to kill you. Yes. What happened with Greg and Megan? They ran back to his uh, bedroom, the master bedroom. Did you know what was in that master bedroom? He had a bunch of weapons in his closet. Did you chase after him? Yes. Why? I felt that he was going to get another weapon and try to kill me. 
when you got to the master bedroom closet, what was Greg doing? He was um, attempting to load another weapon. What did you do? I shot him in his lower back as he was trying to turn around with his weapon. Did he go down then or did he turn around? No, he had the weapon in his hand and I shot him again. Did he go down then? Yes. As you leave the master bedroom closet, um, tell us what happens next. As I was leaving the closet, I could see someone in my peripheral and it was Megan and I thought she had something in her hand and I just reacted and I shot her. Where was she at? She was by the door around a corner. And did she have something in her hand? Yes. What was it? I later found it to be a uh, cell phone. How many times did you shoot her? One time. And um, was it around where that bead was in the uh, master bedroom? Where the uh, bullet hole was in the corner of the wall. What did you do then? I lost it completely. I just realized that I killed the woman that I love, the mother of my child. And at that point, I, I realized that Tristan no longer had a mother. He no longer had grandfather. And he no longer had me. And at that point, I felt like my life was over. Were you angry at all? Yes, I was very angry. Did you place that anger on any particular individual? Nicholas Leonard. Why? I was upset that he brought a weapon into my home, that he tried to kill me. He turned my family against me and tried to have them kill me as well. What'd you do? I went back to my bedroom and he was just lying on the bed and he was unconscious, and I was just upset, and I was, I was just, just yelling out why, why, why this had to happen. I grabbed um, a hammer that was on the floor, and I just kept hitting him until I couldn't anymore. How many times do you remember hitting him with that hammer? I can't remember. It was, it was a lot of times. Was it always with the? Uh end of the hammer necessarily that you put the nails in? It may have slipped when I was hitting him. What did you do after this? After that, um, I went and checked on Tristan to make sure he was okay, and he was, and I told him to stay in his room. There was a lot of blood on me from the altercation that I had with Nicholas and uh, I washed it off, and then I went to check up on Tristan to make sure that he was okay. Was he? He was okay. What'd you tell him? I told him everything's gonna be okay. I, I gave him a hug, kissed him on the cheek. How did you feel in general after having this entire incident? I felt just lost. My whole world was turned upside down, and I was just, I was out of my mind, I was in shock, and I felt like a part of me died that day. Did you have any fear about the cops shooting you? Yes, I, I was in fear that if the cops were to show up that they would try to kill me as well. How about Tristan? I was, I was, I was scared that Tristan was endangered as well, that he might 
be in harm's way if the police were to show up. What'd you do with all of these guns? Uh, Lake Leonard's gun? I threw all the weapons in the canal. I didn't want any weapons in the house after that incident. I didn't want it to be a threat to anyone else or to me or to Tristan. Were you afraid that Tristan might see those bodies? I was uh, afraid that he would be exposed to it, so I, I locked the doors to the bedrooms where the bodies were. Um, yours and Megan's room, how'd you lock that door? There's a latch on the door. It's, um, it's a high latch, so he wasn't able to reach it, and you latch it from the outside of the room. And um, the master bedroom? The master bedroom, uh, the, the doorknob to the room was missing, so you couldn't just step into the room, and um, you had to be a strong, strong person to, to turn it because it didn't have the knob there. It was just a piece of metal, and I put a dog cage in front of the door to keep him from getting in. What did you and Tristan do? Um, at that point, uh, my, it, it was very fuzzy, my um, memory of what, what happened that day later. Um, I was just lost out of it, and I was just chain smoking a lot. What happens when Margaret comes home from work? I heard the dogs barking, and um, at that point, I was I was still out of it, and I was in shock, and I was scared that people might be coming to the house to kill me. And if you saw Margaret, would you did you feel that she was in on it? Yes, I felt that she would try to kill kill me as well. Where was Tristan? What was he doing? He was in his room sleeping. So what did you do? I went down to the garage with the hammer that I used on Nicholas, and I killed Margaret in the. West Garage Hallway. You ran down the stairs and met her down there? Yes, I did. How did you kill her? I hit her over the head a few times. And that's the perfect spot to stop that clip. They actually interview him on the stand for about an hour. Of course, they have cross-examination. The problem with his testimony is it doesn't take any genius here to figure out that this guy is completely lying to everyone. He's trying to manipulate the story to save his own ass. Remember, he's being charged with quadruple homicide. He is being threatened with the punishment of death by the state of Florida. He is choosing his words very carefully, and his defense attorney is helping him to do so. He's trying to paint a picture and put the victims themselves in a bad light. He says that it was Nick that called Megan a whore. He says that it was Megan that tells him that Nick is a stalker, that these two are not involved in any kind of relationship. These are their words. These are them telling me both that the other is a bad person. And then I snuck into the house around 6 p.m. And I was attacked. I went in there to get my belongings, to possibly say goodbye to my son and try to work things out mm-hmm. with Megan. And I was attacked. I love that he chooses to use the words, I was mad at Nick Leonard 
because he came into my home. Mm-hmm. It wasn't your home, dude. You were living there with the Browns. The Browns were nice enough to allow you to stay at their house. It wasn't your home. I was mad that he brought a firearm into my home and put my family in danger. This wasn't your family. It was your son that was in the house. Megan had moved on from you. The Browns weren't interested in you and other than helping you be the father, be a good father to their grandson. That's the only interest they had in you. It's not your family. It's not your home. And here's the good reason that I say that we stop it at that point, because what they end on is that we have Margaret, who we've been calling Maggie. Her friends and family call her Maggie. Maggie comes home from work. We already put this timeline together for you. 11.25 p.m. His own testimony says he puts himself inside that home being attacked by Nick Leonard and then by Greg Brown in the 6 o'clock hour. This all goes down very quickly. He murders Nick Leonard, then Greg Brown, then Megan Brown. And he's so scared to death. He's so scared and afraid for his own life and personal safety that he just waits around in the house for five hours and then kills Maggie when she comes home from work. Complete bullshit. And this is what these psychopaths do. Mm -hmm. What went down that night is he sat outside that home knowing that Maggie would return to the house after 11 11 o'clock. He lived there. He knew their schedules. She went to work at 3 p.m. as usual, got off at 11 p.m. as usual, returned to the house. He knew that that was his ticket to get inside that house and do what he planned to do, which was murder everyone in there with the exception of his son, Tristan. He knew that Nick Leonard was inside that home. The victim's vehicle was parked in front of the house. He attacks Maggie in the garage. She cannot make it all the way into the house. He beats her to death, ties her up, puts a trash bag over her head. And then his testimony, oh, I couldn't have broke into the house. I couldn't have been sneaking into the house. There was 20 dogs in there that were yappers and barkers. There's no way that I could have snuck up on these individuals because of these dogs. Bullshit. He went into that room, and very likely we have Nick Leonard and Megan who are asleep or getting ready to do so. He got the jump on Nick. He hit him 21 times in the head with a hammer. Mm -hmm. When Megan freaked out, she sees what's happening. She flees to the room of her father, trying to wake her father and say, he's in the house. Greg grabs a gun. He's trying to load the gun in his closet, in his bedroom. He didn't walk into Megan's room. No, this animal, this monster beat this man to death, Nick Leonard, 21 times in the head, takes his gun, walks into the master bedroom, and shows what kind of coward he is. He shoots the man in the back, shoots him again, And then Megan begs for her life and he gets up and shoots her close at close range. One shot. It only took one shot right into the left eye. He killed four people. And then what did this monster do? He hung out at the house for damn near a week, ordering pizzas, using Margaret's credit card to make purchases. 
He tries to sell their belongings on Craigslist. He successfully sold several of the dogs. Yeah, he, he sold dogs. He sold furniture. Then he goes to the store and he buys a shovel, tries to dig a, a grave, can't. So he has to go, well, well, what's next? Put him in the car, move him, dump him in the woods. Still living at the house. He was still hanging out at the house when the police came to make their welfare check. That's why they found the open door. Yeah. He panics. He flees the area, grabs the sun. Oh, my God, the cops are at the front door. This place is a bloody mess. I couldn't even bother to clean it up. I couldn't successfully bury anybody. Mm -hmm. Runs out the back door, leaves that door open. He takes a canoe. We talked about those canals. He went down one of the canals about... Mm, about a mile or so, calls a cab, takes a cab to the bus stop, rides the bus stop, the bus to the hotel in Tampa, where they eventually pick him up. Now, where this guy got lucky, where Adam Matos got lucky, he's a complete sack psychopath. Complete psychopath. I thought you were gonna call him a sack of shit. Complete sack of shit psychopath. Mm. He gets lucky. He got spared the death penalty. There was a juror. It has to be unanimous in Florida. 12 out of 12. 12 out of 12. 11 out of 12 said, yes, kill this man. Mm -hmm. One person was kind and compassionate enough to spare Adam Matos's life. Adam Matos, it will cost taxpayers in the state of Florida $904,000 to house him for the entirety of his life. For all of our old episodes, download the Stitcher app. They're free on the Stitcher app. And also check out our bonus show called Off the Record. Colonel, do we have any recommended reading for this week? This week we are recommending Hunting Whitey, the inside story of the capture and killing of America's most wanted crime boss by Casey Sherman and Dave Wedge. This is the thrilling and definitive story of the pursuit and capture of legendary Boston mob boss, James Whitey Bulger detailing his years on the run and his brutal murder in prison. Check out that great title and many others on our recommended page. Yeah, you can find all our recommended reading at truecrimegarage.com and click on the recommended page. And until next week, be good, be kind, and don't live. You ever meet someone who seems kind of off? Whether it's a creepy neighbor or random phone number that keeps calling you, Truthfinder has you covered. You can search for people by name, address, phone number, email, and more. Truthfinder can be especially helpful for running confidential background checks on anyone you're planning to meet from online dating apps. Go to truthfinder.com slash podcasts for a special offer. That's truthfinder.com slash podcasts to access your special offer today.